This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul, here on your radio on Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, Nosei, Shabbos, after Shavuos. A warm welcome to our entire radio family. Thank you for taking time on what's becoming one of the shortest Erev Shabbos of the year and making some time to tune in on your radio, on your device, wherever you might be in Johannesburg or in fact anywhere in the world to listen to our, our words of Torah, to share a bit of time with us as we strengthen ourselves and prepare ourselves for another beautiful, beautiful Shabbos, Shabbos Kodesh. And let's get right into Advatera. In, in this week's Pasha, we have a situation of a person Pasuk says, If a person has no relative with whom the debt can be returned, what are we talking about? We're talking about someone made a claim, a monetary claim against another person, and then he swore falsely against the claim, and then subsequently feels bad and confesses. So Allah is he has to pay the principal amount plus another 25%, to the person against whom he had sinned. If the person against whom he sinned has died, then he has to pay the heirs. Now, a male convert who has had no children since his conversion, or a female convert who has not married or given birth to children, has no heirs, because the moment they convert, they're completely disconnected from their original family. So if one has sinned against them and they die, since they have no heirs, the money is given to the Kayanim who are on duty that, that week. The Gemara Babakama asks, what do you have a person in Yisrael who has no redeemers, no relatives? There has to be some family somewhere. Says Gemara, no, it refers to a, a, a convert who actually has no heirs. Now, the story is told that uh, when the, the Gerrit Sedek of, uh, of Vilna, Count Valentin Patos, uh, 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 Patoski, was in prison awaiting his execution, so the holy Avrom ben Avrom, as, as he was now called, was visited by the Goin in Vilna, with whom he had become very, very close. The tzaddik was weeping profusely. The Goyen expressed surprise. Why are you crying? You should be filled with joy that you are able to give up your life l'shem shemayim for the sake of Hashem. The tzaddik responded, I'm not crying because of the impending execution. I weep because I have no roots among the Jewish people. I do not have a father, and I do not have children or siblings. The Goyen replied by quoting the Pasuk from Yeshaya uh, Mem Dalit, which says, Ani Rishoyin, Vani Acharoyin, I am first, and I am last, and Biladai, besides me, there is no Hashem. The Midrash states, I am first, I have no father, I am last, I have no son. The going added, I am first. I am father to those who have no father, and I am last. I have no son. I am better than ten sons. 
Very poignant. But a question still remains. Why is the son family member called a goyel, a redeemer? He should be called an heir. The concept of Geula redemption applies to redeeming land. Here the Torah is addressing the concept of inheritance. Thus the convert has no inheritance. Harav derives from here that every son who survives his father's or parent is not only an heir, he is also a goyel, a redeemer, because he has the power through his Torah study and his mitzvah performance to redeem and bring his father's neshama into nitzchis, into eternal life. A well-known chazal relates an incident that occurred with Rabbi Akiva, which teaches the enormous benefit of a son's kaddish recital for for the soul of his of his departed father. Rabbi Akiva came across a neshama, a soul suffering enormous torments in the eternal worlds. He searched for the long-lost son of the man and taught him to recite Yiskada of Yiskada Shmei Rabba. May his great name be exalted and sanctified. With these words, the father's soul were released from its suffering in, in, in Gehinnom and was now allowed to enter Ghanedin. Obviously, this story has profound esoteric meaning. Right? How sad it is that so many Jews who are estranged from their religion are unaware of this most basic and poignant act of honoring the memory of one's parents. What is even sadder is that by ignoring the spiritual needs of their departed parents, they are actually at the same time hurting themselves. Children and parents, their personalities remain networked, sort of like an interlace. The direction a child takes affects the parent's spiritual state. Since we are connected to them, what happens to them affects us. Thus, by helping to redeem them, we are redeeming ourselves. 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul. We'll be back with much more in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, so to so back on your radio with our second segment today. Hope you're all having a wonderful Erev Shabbos on this Erev Shabbos Kodesh Parshas Nosei Shabbos after Shavuos. I hope you had a beautiful, beautiful Shavuos and it was, and it was uplifting and it was enriching to all of us. Anyway, we're back to talk about this week's Pasha, and of course, the the subject, the topic that occupi- that occupies the most geography in 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 this week's Pasha, most real estate is of course the bringing of the korbanos by the nesiim that were for the dedication of the mishkan. And the uh, the nesiim offered up a dedication. I guess to the Mizbeach, to the altar, the Yayim Yimashachasai. On the day, it was, it was consecrated. Now, Chazal teach us that even though the offerings of the 12 Nasim were identical, each individual offering alluded to the singular mission and purpose of that particular Shevet, of that particular tribe who the Nasi represented. 
Thus, the offering of each Nasi represented a unique spiritual message. Indeed, the Torah could have saved so much ink by including all the carbonates of Nasim under one collective banner. This is what all of the Nasim offered. Actually, why did Nasim choose to offer identical carbonates? One would think they each wanted to express the uniqueness and individuality of their own shevet. The Ramban quotes the Medrash in Bamid Baraba, which in one of the uh, uh, versions explains that each and every shevet had a Masera, had a tradition from Yaakov Avinu concerning all that would occur in the Yemea Mashiach, in the Messianic era. Accordingly, Nachshon ben Aminardo, for example, of the Shevet of Yehuda, which was, of course, the tribe of, of Malchus, of, of monarchy, led the dedication ceremony and offered a donation that reflected the succession of monarchy. For instance, he brought a Ka'ara, a bowl, and he bought a Mizrak, a basin, corresponding to the two kings, Shlema and Melech HaMashiach, who were destined to come from him, who would reign on sea and on land. Thus, he brought a round bowl to correspond to the sea, which encircles the entire world fixing the weight, the bowl, at 130 shekel. Since on the third day of creation, Hashem gathered all the waters of the world into one place and called them Yamim, which Bigamatria, the numerical equivalent is 100, Yud is 10 and Mem is, is uh, 40, and again Yud is 10 and Mem is 40 for a total of 80 and 20 is 100. Shleim HaMelech added another yam, which is numerically equivalent to 30, totaling 130. This, of course, of course, refers to Shleim HaMelech's kior, which, because of its huge size, was called a yam. The circumference of that was, in fact, 30 amas, about 15... Uh, about 15 meters. Thus, the numerical value of the seas in Shlomo's Kior was 130, equal to Nachshon's Kara. Ramban teaches that each Shevet had its own individual reason and intention for the offerings that they brought. While they all totaled the exact same number, their spiritual in, 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 in uh, intentions were distinct and different from one another. For instance, Nesano ben Tzuar of the Shevet of Yisachar represented Torah. Yisachar were the great Torah leaders of the generation. So, thus, the Karbonis that, that he brought reflected and alluded to Torah. This idea applied to each and every Shevet. Therefore, from a divine perspective, the Karbonis of the Nesim were totally distinct from one another. Harav Tzvi Kuslevsky Shlita, Rashiva Hechalatera, 
learns from this two very important lessons. Firstly, external impressions do not represent the internal essence of a subject. These are superficial viewpoints which, to the casual onlooker, may appear identical, but essentially, intrinsically, they are quite different from one another. Two subjects may project an image that are analogous to one another, but this only represents, however, an external facade in which they are akin to one another. When we dig beneath the surface, we see a different story. Secondly, we derive from the seam that an incredible opportunity exists for an individual expression, even when on the surface, everyone is doing the same thing. It's how one does it that makes his actions stand out. Externals can be deceiving. Reality is in the inner image, essence of a subject, for that's where the truth, the truth lies. We often form opinions of people based purely on what we observe on the surface. When we take the time to take a deeper, more penetrating look, the person may be very, very different than we originally expected. We are guilty of judging a book by its cover. How often do we fail to take into consideration the challenges that a, that a fellow is going through? Imagine a meeting with someone who for obvious reasons explodes and abruptly and, and, and abruptly storms out of the out of meeting. The first reaction is for those who lack any kind of character refinement, who knows what happened that morning in his home, what bad news he heard, what difficult challenges he must overcome. Well, we don't stop to think, to ask. Our reaction is immediate, to judge. Right? There was uh, very recently a, a very powerful and inspiring quote. At any given moment, we are all doing the best we can given who we are and what we know at that at that moment. In other words, if we would just pause for a moment to think, our reaction would be very, very different. How often do we judge a person by the clothes he wears? There cannot be a more accurate example of judging a book by its cover than that. <coughs> The following story speaks about the common judgment flaw. Rav Ram Tversky relates the story of Herschel, who was a Kayan, with whom his family was friendly. He was an Eastern European Yid who immigrated to America and eked out a meager living, selling shmata, selling rags out of a pushcart. After he experienced some success in this endeavor, he graduated to a horse and wagon and collected and sold scrap metal, clothing, and paper. Not very learned, but reading Hebrew was about the extent of his Jewish education. He was, however, devoutly observant 
ethically and morally correct, adhering to whatever he was taught by his Rav. Integrity in every facet of his life was his signature attribute. Thus, he executed every religious activity in a wholesome manner to the best of his ability and understanding. On Shabbos morning, he would come to shul early to recite Sefer Tehillim. His only complaint was that he had to feed his horse before davening. What can I do? He asked. The Torah says that you cannot let your animal go hungry. As a Kayin, Herschel was often called upon to officiate at a Pidnaben, right? Redemption of the firstborn son during which he received five silver dollars from the father of, of the, of the infant. Life doesn't uh, go on forever and Herschel was no different. One day we will all eventually be called to stand before the Melech Malchiam Lochim. So when Herschel became seriously ill, he called for his son and told him, as soon as I leave this world, open the top dresser drawer. In it, you will find a little cloth sack. Open it and follow the instructions that are written there. Immediately after Herschel breathed his last, his son went to the dresser drawer and removed the cloth sack. In it were silver dollars and one gold coin. They were accompanied by a note. All my life, I tried to earn an honest living. I never knowingly cheated anyone. But who can say that he never overcharged or shortchanged anyone? Unfortunately, I have assembled over my lifetime a, a pithy of mitzvahs, which would uh, which would serve in my merits when I stand before Kodesh Baruch Hu. While I do not have much positive merits, I would like to at least be dressed properly. After all, they say that nice clothes help a person make a favorable impression. The only truly honest money to which I can attest is the coins that I received through Pignaben. I know that its right view belongs to me because the Torah assigned them to me as a coin. My father was a coin, so am I. Therefore, the money represents integrity in its most pristine form. I would like you to take this money and purchase my tachlichem shrouds and also cover all my burial expenses with it. This way, I'll be dressed nicely with honestly acquired shrouds. As a result, I'm hoping that HaKadosh Baruch will look favorably upon my soul. I am certain that when people saw Herschel in Shul, or whenever he went to the to the community, their opinion of him was a nice guy, sweet fella, good man. How many realized what kind of tzaddik he was? This man's idea of judging a book by its cover was to be dressed in tachrichim that represented the ultimate in integrity. When a book has such an impressive cover, one may be certain that the book is truly worth reading. 11.9 FM, Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM.
101.9 Chai FM Soul to Soul on your radio on Air Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Nasei, the first Shabbos after Shavuos. And I really, really hope you had an amazing Chag, a beautiful time together. Tom, you learned some Torah and, and got a Chizuk and were inspired to carry on into the months ahead as we move into the, 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 the winter, the winter months. And of course, there's so many things going on, and obviously, uh, we don't even know why things are happening and what's happening, but, but some important lessons, perhaps, we need, we need, we need to learn. Let me tell you an amazing story that happened in the, in, 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 in the court of the great, uh, uh, Sar Shalom of, of, of Bells. It says one time, Came, came into his, uh, into his private room, a, a guest, someone who didn't live in, in Bells, but he came and he was crying bitterly on, on, on what happened, what had happened to him. So the, the Rebbe inquired, what's wrong? Why are you crying? What's, what's wrong? So he told him, Baruch Hashem, I live in another, another town, and Baruch Hashem, I have a very, very large, Family, lots of sons and 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 daughters, bliainora. But uh, of course, the the parnasa is never uh, sort of consummate with the with the amount of of children that are in the house. So the parnasa was a little bit a little bit very tight. So uh, says I had no choice. I had to go out of my city, go on a road trip, and and go around to the houses of of generous and and kind hearted. Uh, 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 in all the cities and all the, and all the villages to, to, uh, see if I could, uh, make a little bit of money for, to support my, my family. So as part of my travels, I, I arrived in, uh, in, in Bells and I stayed up in, in one of the local, local inns and in my, in my bookshelf, in my, my valise, I had uh, some of the money that I had managed to collect in in the interim of my travels. It was a, 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 a sizable amount of uh, of of money, but obviously I worked very very hard, and it took a lot of mysterious nefesh and a lot of effort and a lot of I put up with a lot of busyness, a lot of embarrassment in order to 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 get it. And in the morning, I was absolutely frightened to see that. My my wallet, all the money was gone. It was stolen, and I don't have any way of knowing. You know, this is before the time of cameras. I have no way of knowing what could have happened. Who could have who could have stolen from me? I don't. I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, where's my where's my salvation going to come from? So when the when the Holy Rebbe heard this, so he called a young a young younger man, one of the Koyla guys from from amongst this Hasidim. And he called him and he, and he told him exactly what had happened. And he ordered him to go search for the Ganav and to bring him here, bring him to my room by a certain, I'm giving you one week, say, I'm giving you one week to find the Ganav and bring him and bring him here. The, 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 the younger man tried to, uh, kind of get out of it and, and give excuses and he claimed that, you know, I, I have no idea how to do this. I'm not a, I'm not a trained detective. I'm not even sure Sherlock Holmes or Miss Marple had, uh, had been, uh, been invented even 
at at that time. How do I how do I do investigation? I have I have no idea how to, how to do this. <laughs> but on, the Rebbe wasn't uh, taking any excuses or any answers, and he remained absolutely firm. You have one week to you know, finger that that kind of and and bring him here and get the money back to its to its to its owner. <clears throat> so the younger man left the Rebbe's house absolutely confused. He had no idea how he was going to even begin to 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 mount an investigation to to find a way to 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 you know to be a sleuth and 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 follow and find and track down the 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 God of how is he going to be able to 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 fulfill the ins- <laughs> immense responsibility that that the Rebbe had, had had given him? So he was an intelligent young man, so he uh, thought of a quite a daring type of plan. What did he do? He went into the into the base medrash which was near the Rebbe's house. And there he's kind of, his eye fell on one of the elderly and very, very respected Tamir Chachomim of the city who basically sat and, and learned Torah the whole day and uh, basically lived, obviously went home, but basically he spent virtually all his time in the base Medish. So this young Avrech decided to to become like his shamus to, to go take care of him, and he approached him and he took care of all his physical and ruchnistic needs. He, he learned with him. He brought him. He brought him cups of coffee. He looked after him for 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 a few days, and right until until now it arrived a week later. Till arrived the day where this was the deadline. This was the day that he had to produce. The, 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 the Ganev, and, uh, and at this point, yeah, done absolutely nothing in, in order, in, 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 in sort of to, in to trace him or to bring him to, to book as they, as they, uh, as they say. So, uh, that day, this younger man got up very, very early and went and knocked on the door of this, of this, uh, Elderly Tamil Chacham. And when the Tamil Chacham opened the door, so he was, it was amazing. What was this, what was this younger man doing at, at his door so, so, so early? That this wasn't a, a, a normal kind of, kind of visit. So quickly, the younger man asked him, uh, please, uh, would you, would you, uh, yeah, would you let me come in, come into your, into your house? I have something very, very sick, very private. To, to share with you. So the, the old, uh, the old Tamachachim allowed him in and then, uh, the younger man quick, quickly closed the door, locked it on the inside and put the key in his pot, in his pocket. And at the same time turned to the, to the Tamachachim and said to him, okay, l- let me, let me, let me tell you what's going on. In f- a few days ago, and he told him exactly what had happened to this person's money in, in our city. In our city, there happened a terrible, terrible theft. 
from a certain Jew who wasn't even a, a, a resident, someone was from out of town, and, and he was, he was, he was robbed, and, and, and the Rebbe commanded me to, to identify and, 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 uh, and kind of, you know, bring the, bring the Ghana to book and, and get the money back to, to, to its owner. So therefore, I've come to you now, and I'm asking you, as 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 a, a as a sign of gratitude to the fact that I served you for the last few days, tell me who is the Ganav that did something terrible like this without any embarrassment? So the elderly Talmud Chacham was like, <laughs> his mouth just gaped open. He says, "What?" He says. What are you talking about? Are you out of your mind? How would I know who who the Ganav is? Neither, I'm not a Novi. I'm not a prophet. There's no way I could know. Nor am I uh, the, the, the city policeman detective. How, how am I going to know? Or even half an idea of who, who the Ganav, who the Ganav might be. And, and if, if you want to get paid for the fact that you, uh, that you served me for a few days, fine. Tell me how much money you want and, I, and I'll pay you. I don't know what, what, what you want from me. However, the younger man who, who, uh, believed totally in, in the greatness of this Tamachachim did not let up at all. He said to him in, in, in quite a firm voice, you should know that I have the key. And I'm not gonna open the door of your house so long that you haven't told me who the Ganav is. And if you don't want to tell me, that's fine. Then you're not gonna be able to go to the Besmerish or to Davening today. You're gonna to be locked in your, in your house. When the Tamachachim saw that the, 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 uh, younger man meant, meant, uh, meant business. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so now he had to somehow Reveal a little bit of his, of his greatness. So he answered him and he said, okay, fine. I'm going to tell you who the Ganav is, but on a, on a condition, on a double condition. And that is that you'll never ever tell anyone on, on, about what happened. So the younger man agreed to this condition. But he he uh, he clarified that if the Reb is going to ask him, how does he know to identify the Ganav? He's going to have to tell him exactly what what uh, what happened, and and the Tamachacham agreed agreed to that. So straight away, the old Tamachacham said, "You should know so and so," and he identified a person who lives. In, in a certain neighborhood, in a certain place, he is the town Ganav. And in his, in his house, you'll find the whole packet of money without, without, without question. So, and in fact, so straight away, the, the younger man ran to this address, to the house of this, of this Jew, and when he saw, when this person saw that he had been caught in, in the crime, he admitted the truth that yes, he had stolen it and he returned the, the whole packet of money which he had, which he had stolen. After that, the younger man 
went back to the Rebbe, and he told the Rebbe uh, what had happened with the with the big Tamachokham, that the Tamachokham had revealed to him the identity of, of the Ganav. So the Rebbe stretched, sent straight away to call this Tamachokham, and he asked him, how do you know all these secrets? So the Tamachokham answered that it was only a few days ago that uh, uh, he, Tamachokham, he had uh, the opportunity to stand Outside the Rebbe's room, in the, in the place where all the many, many people who come to petition the, the Rebbe and want to go in to the Rebbe all stand when they wait for the opportunity to go in and, and, and get advice or get, and get a, 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 a bracha. And, and right then he saw that person, that Ganav, and in his hands he had a kvittle. And on the kvittle was written his name and the name of his mother. And when I looked at the kvittle, I saw that by looking at the kvittle, I could see that this person was a, was a ganav. And that's how I know that this was the, this was the, the right address. So, so, I mean, just by the way, we see something amazing, amazing, and, and obviously we see that, uh, these, Tamir uh, at, uh, at that time, in, in those doyras, uh, you know, maybe they weren't, uh, uh, public, maybe they weren't well known, publicized, uh, at Tzadikim, you know, you know, who, uh, who we read stories, about the great things that they did and the and the salvations that they managed to do for many many people, but uh, they were able to see on a kvittle the 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 sins of the person who had who had written it. So the Belzer Rebbe turned to him and said, "You should know that when I was younger, I used to see when I would look at the faces of all those." who came to me, I used to see all their good deeds and unfortunately even the bad deeds that they had done from the time they were young until that day. Not only in the present Gilgal, but even what they had done in previous Gilgul and previous times they had sojourned on on this on this earth. But in in later years so I thought to myself, we see in, in Chazal, Chazal, uh, 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 testify that HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't <coughs> look at the Averis of Klaisa, as Oizok in, in the Medrash Rabbah. And we are commanded by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Achareya Shem Lokechem Telechu, Uboi Sidbokun, after Hashem goes, you should cling to HaKadosh Baruch And Chazal say, what does that mean? How do we cling to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? El had cling to the Midas of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Right? If so, it's better that I shouldn't see anymore the sins of, of, uh, of, of, of Yidin. And therefore, I dove into the Rabboni Shlolem and I asked him, please, that he should take away from me this ability to see all the 
lacks all the imperfections of, of, of other people that come to me. And from that time on, I don't see any negativity in, in the faces of those that, that, that come. And that's why that I didn't know who, who the Ganav was until, until you, you uh, came and disclosed it, uh, uh, today. When we start to accustom ourselves, we start getting used to not to see the shortcomings of other people. So then it's much, much easier to create a situation where we actually love other people and actually work and improve our own Ben Adam Lachavera. The main part of the work that we have to do in improving interpersonal relations it, re- relations is based on the pasuk you have to love another Jew the same way you love yourself and this midah is, is uniquely something that belongs to the Jewish nation only Yidin are able to arouse in their hearts such a love such a caring for even a stranger without any reason, without the fact he hasn't done anything for me, I don't owe him anything, but just stop. I can, I can love, I can really care for another, for another person. There's a, in, in, in the Sefer, Divrei, Divrei Shal on the Torah, from the, from the great, uh, from the great Gun, Rav, Rav Natanson, the, the, the Rav of, of, of Lemberg, and, and uh, the author of, uh, Shalis Chuvas Shoilomeshiv, he brings, what he heard from the Chidushe Horim on the, on the, on the Gemara that, that, that's brought in the, uh, there's a story brought in the Gemara in Shabbos about the, the Jew, sorry, the non-Jew, the, the, the guy who came to Shammai and said to him, convert me on condition that you'll teach me the whole Torah while I stand on one foot. And, uh, Hill, uh, uh, Shammai took a, 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 a stick used for building and, and chased him away. He came in front of Hillel and Hillel converted him and told him the, the basic insight is whatever you wouldn't want done to yourself, don't do to your friend. That's the entire Torah. And the rest is just explanation. Go and learn and learn Torah. And the Shalomashiv asked, why did Hillel even speak to this guy in, in a negative? Why did he say to him, what you don't want done to you, don't do to somebody else? Why didn't he say it as a positive statement? Love your, your friend. And he answered that a non-Jew is not able to understand this concept of loving someone for no reason, without without having without even having done something for you, without owing him a favor, they, they don't understand that you could love someone just because he's another he's another human being, right? You can understand that that uh, it's not nice to to hate people, it's not nice to do bad things to people. That you can understand that you know that it's that it's not or not a not a nice thing to cause someone else pain. That's right? just like you wouldn't want pain caused to you, then you shouldn't cause the loss. That he could understand. And therefore, 
Hillel had to speak to him in this in this negative way. That was something that he could grab, but to speak, you should love that that he wouldn't be able to to understand. Well, this incredible incredible idea, you know, there's a a a, a, a beautiful uh, uh, concept that applies to 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 Jews that. Uh, we know that we are the beloved children of of uh, of Hakadosh Baruch, and therefore we have to look at and find the beauty and 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 the precious and the incredible strength and the incredible virtues of every single uh, of every single Jew, right? To look, you know, what what, what does the Leah say? Look at the between my son. She says about Ruvain to the son of my, of my, uh, of my father-in-law to, to Esau, that only to Kaiso did Hashem command in our, in our, in our Torah, because only the Yidden are able to, to, to fix in their heart a love and, 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 and an affection for another person without him having done anything necessarily to earn to earn that that love, that's something we have to work on. That's something we have to really, really develop. This is one one point high FM on the program. It's soul to soul. We'll be back in a moment. Lots more to share. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on one hundred one point nine High FM. One one point nine High FM, soul to soul. Back on your radio here on Erev Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Nasai. As we prepare for another beautiful Shabbos, the first Shabbos after Chag Hashvuos, and as we always do at this point, at on the broadcast to give you the important times and details that you need for this coming Shabbos. So let's start from the beginning, the earliest time for lighting Shabbos candles. <laughs> it's actually very very soon, twenty past four. You can already get your Shabbos candles up and on and get Shabbos started. It's a little, a little bit cold in the winter. It's nice to sort of snuggle up, have the candles on, have a, maybe a, a fire in the in the fireplace, if you have a fireplace or whatever it is, an electric fire. Keep warm and sit down and, and daven. If you're not going to shul, if you go to shul, even even better. And then uh, and then come home. And of course, the, the latest time for getting uh, a Shabbos lift, lift this week is at eight minutes Past five, eight minutes past five is the latest time you've got to get them up, which means Shkia is at 526. Make sure you have Shabbos well underway before, before that, uh, that time. And if you want to dive in Mayrev and not have to repeat the, uh, the, the Krishma, so then by, by quarter to six, by 544 already, you can already dive and it's night, you don't have to repeat the Krishma, and then as always, sit down to a beautiful, warm, and, and in, in kind of invigorating Shabbos, Shabbos uh, meal. Tomorrow is Shabbos Kodesh Pasha's Nasai, it's, yes, it's the longest single Pasha in the, uh, in the Torah, 176, uh, uh, Psukim, a lot of it, obviously, the quite a quite a large portion of it is the last chapter where we talk about the carbonists that were brought by all of the uh, Nesim, as we as we spoke earlier in the uh, in in the broadcast, and uh, and uh, the Aftera is of course the Aftera in Shaftim, the birth of Shimshon, the the Navi, and and the whole. Uh, uh, episode that took place before his birth with his parents being told about, about his, 
here's his birth. Um, to tomorrow, we still don't say uh, Avrachimim. Uh, many shuls are still not saying Tachanon until Sunday because we're still in the six days after after Shavuos. We get to restart Perkeavus again after Shavuos, so we go back to Perak Aleph, and uh, Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at five fifty-eight. No, wrong. 5.59. One minute before 6 o'clock Shabbos Kodesh uh, ends. So it's really getting, really getting uh, uh, early. And then uh, we go into another beautiful, beautiful week of Kodesh, of Kodesh Sivan. We are busy talking about the preparation of, of Shabbos and the honor of Shabbos. And uh, we've spoken about preparing food. We spoke about uh, 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 clothing. So, uh, we need to talk about how to prepare oneself and perhaps, uh, the house. Get it ready for, for, for Shabbos. And, and really in the same way as, as one needs to prepare nice clothing and clean clothing for, for Shabbos. So too, one needs to prepare oneself, prepare literally one's, one's own body in order to, to, uh, greet Shabbos in a spirit of cleanliness and 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 holiness, and this is actually part of the mitzvah of covered Shabbos of showing honor to Shabbos. Therefore, the the Gemara says in in Shabbos Davchafei that it's a mitzvah to have a bath to wash oneself uh, before before a Shabbos, and and specifically one should wash oneself if at all possible with hot water. Because they definitely clean a person better than 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 cold water, but if uh, if a person uh, who could obviously and and chooses to rather wash in cold water or or lukewarm water really has not fulfilled the, the mitzvah. Shulchan Aruch says one should simply use uh, uh, hot water. Now, in the past, where it was quite uh, difficult to attain uh, uh, water for for washing. So then the, the mitzvah was particularly to wash one's face and one's hands and one's uh, feet and to wash one's hair before, before Shabbos. And uh, those who really, really wanted to go the extra mile would actually wash their whole body, go to the bathhouse, whatever it was, and wash their whole house in, in hot water. Today, where Baruch Hashem, we have showers, we have we have baths, and, and we have uh, 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 geysers, and 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 easy access to water heated by by electricity or whatever the sun. So therefore, it's certainly a mitzvah to wash the entire body with with hot with hot, uh, that that hot water. And you know, I guess in, in a way, it's almost almost a, a logical thing. You know, if a person has a uh, as a social gathering or a, or a business meeting where he needs to look smart and he needs to look to look good. So then, or you're going to meet even with a friend. So we normally go have a shower or a bath before so. So certainly, uh, if we're going to re- meet uh, Shabbos Amalka, the Shabbos the Shabbos Queen, so certainly one should uh, one should wash oneself and uh, and uh, get oneself looking as 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 stiffy and as and as nice. As, uh, as, uh, as, as possible. Now, one shouldn't leave bathing and washing till the very, very 
last minute because it's too easy to think you still have five minutes left and you just have this to do and you end up, God forbid, being in a situation where you might even come to to break uh, break Shabbos by turning off lights or turning off geezers or something like that. And and then, yes, you're doing a mitzvah by getting yourself ready for Shabbos, but if you're doing an Avera of possibly breaking Shabbos, then uh, uh, you've offset your gain by by what you're losing by doing by doing something that you shouldn't you shouldn't uh, do. Uh, someone who needs to have a a haircut, so it's a mitzvah that a person should have a haircut on Friday again to get ready for 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 Shabbos. And someone who normally shaves in in honor of Shabbos, so it's also a mitzvah to shave yourself before before Shabbos, and it's a mitzvah to to cut one's nails in honor of 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 uh, of Shabbos. But again, shaving and cutting one's nails, uh, it's actually better to do that. Now, Allah has brought actually after. After Chatzos, after midday, because then it's quite clear that one is doing it in honor of uh, of, uh, of of Shabbos. But truth is, if it fits your schedule and that's the available time, even before midday on on erev Shabbos, it's also a great time to already start preparing oneself for 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 Shabbos. And certainly, if someone knows that he's going to be busy all day Friday and not have a chance on Friday to do these these basic. Uh, 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 preparations. So then you should have your hair cut. You should cut your nails, whatever it is, on, on, uh, on Thursday. And not only one's, one's, uh, physical self, but the house also. The house also needs to be prepared for, for Shabbos. It needs to be cleaned. So there's no dirt, no, no dust around. One needs to cover. All tables, all tables in the house should be covered on Shabbos with a nice cloth and, uh, and put chairs, uh, uh, around it. And, and one should be, one should be careful that for the entire Shabbos, even let's say in between meals, that the house and, and, and the table should still remain Organized, remain neat, there should remain tablecloths on all the tables for the entire, for the entire Shabbos. And, uh, also, um, one should, uh, try to set the, the, the table, uh, uh respectfully with one's nice china and one's nice, uh, uh, uh crockery and, and, uh, cutlery and, and nice, uh, nice, uh, glasses and, uh, again, it doesn't have to be done last minute. I know a lot of people that uh, have their table set for Shabbos ready on Thursday night. It's an amazing thing to walk into the into the lounge on Friday morning and it already looks all Shabbos thick. It's a it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, uh, generally, people people think that uh, the the you know, the the kedusha of Shabbos only is is only revealed through spiritual things, through through learning Torah and through davening, and of course that's that's very important. But the physical things, the the ambiance, the the setting up, the the eating, the the sleeping, everything uh, is all part of the Shabbos of the Shabbos experience. The dressing, the the bathing, and and uh, and, uh, uh, and you know a lack in any of those areas 
is is uh, is considered uh, an insult to to Shabbos. We'll be back in a moment with a final comment. This is 101.9 Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul, back on your radio for the last few minutes of our edition for Erev Shabbos, Kurdish Parshas Nasser. We're talking about cleaning up our act for for Shabbos, and talking about the fact that Shabbos is not about just just about the spirituality, the spirituality of Shabbos, but even all the physical aspects of Shabbos, the eating, the dressing up nicely, the house being nice, our bodies being nice, that's all part of the, of the Kedusha and the way we reveal the Kedusha through, through our, our physical activities on, on Shabbos, through the nice clothing, it's through the house being, being, being tidy. But even more than that, the, the, the real shlemus, the real perfection a person can attain is only when the kedusha is revealed in every area of, of, of our lives, in every, every aspect of our reality, both the spiritual and the physical. And that's why when uh, we, uh, in many circles, when we greet people on Shabbos, we say Shabbat Shalom. Because the Shabbos uh, creates a peaceful and harmonious existence between the spiritual and the physical. And therefore, we have Shalom specifically between husband and wife, between man and his, uh, and, and his fellow. And that's what the Gemara says in, in Shabbos Kofiates. When a person comes home from Shul on Friday nights, two angels accompany him home from Shul. And when one is the malach toiv, the good malach, and one is the opposite. And when he comes home and the candles are lit and the table is set and, and the, the cover, and the tables are nicely covered and everything looks good, the malach toiv says, Oh, Yeratza may be the will of Hashem that it should be like this next Shabbos. And now the malach uh, has to. Answer, even against his will, he has to say, Amen, he accepts that. And Chasram is all the way around, the place is a Balagan. Then the Malach Ra says, Oh, Yeratza may be the will of Hashem, that it should be like this next week. And the Malach is, is forced through clenched teeth to answer, answer, uh, uh, Amen. On Shabbos, it's, it's possible to reveal all the beautiful, holy values in their absolute complete, completeness both in physicality and in spirituality together. And therefore, when the table and the house, everything is set up nicely, so even the Malachara has to answer main against his will. However, even, when the, even if the house and the table are not set up so great, and the food, well, isn't uh, as half burnt, you still have to be very, very careful not to get angry and not to fight on Shabbos. Because the honor of Shabbos is that all the people in the family should be in a peaceful relationship one with the other. As it says, it's better to have just some vegetables and, and then, then have a huge feast with lots of, of fighting. And the Sev Hasidim, it says that on Shabbos, rather to have very, very minimal food with lots of peace and lots of harmony in the house with your wife, with your your family, then rather have a, then, then, then a fattened bull 
But there's a lot of, there's a lot of hatred. Person shouldn't say, look, I'll get beautiful foods. And he knows that he's going to fight with his wife or fight with his family. Then it's not, it's not, uh, it's not, uh, it's not worth it. Rather, how do we honor it? You honor the Shabbos not to not fight. So that's our, our mission for this week. Of course, everyone doesn't, no one, no one does that on Shabbos. Everyone has beautiful, peaceful Shabbos. So let's just wish you all. A Shabbat Shalom, a Shabbos of real Shalom, of real togetherness, of real unity, of real growth in both Gashmias and Ruchmias. Thank you for listening, and to each and every one of you, until next week, a warm and beautiful good Shabbos.